Hey there, who wants to be more blessed? I do. This is the Something to Bless podcast. And on this show, we are going to talk all things faith, mindset, and behaviors. If I'm speaking your language, stick around. If we want to be more blessed, we got to give God something to work with. And I'm going to help you to do just that. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. It's Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com. And I have a special guest for you guys today. I want you to meet my cousin Danny, who is amazing. He's gone through his own fair share of trials in life, but he's used them for good. And he's doing a whole lot of good in his family and his community. And I want to share him with you. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. We talk, of course, about family, but overcoming some of the challenges and trials in his life and how he's been able to, with the help of Jesus, use them to give back and to serve. And we talk about what it looks like just to walk in love and forgiveness and the richness that truly comes with living a life with God, leading the way, and just being obedient and surrendering to him every single day. So I'm just so proud to be related to him and to be connected and to be able to share him and his story with all of you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my cousin, Danny Chavez. Oh, and P.S., the end gets chopped off. Just give you a little heads up there. We had some technical difficulties, but Y'all know I don't edit, so we're going to roll with it. All right, here's our conversation. Well, cousin, you made it to the big time. Thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I know when I asked you, you're probably like, why is she asking me to be on the show? But (laughs) like we were just talking just a few seconds ago, and you you said something that I was going to say to you that, you know, there's a saying that I often share with, I've shared it with my students before and I share it with my kids is somebody's always watching you. So kind of keep that on the top of your mind as you're living life, as you're walking through life in different situations and whatever you're doing and how Mm -hmm. you're living, do your best and hold on to that integrity because not just because somebody's always watching, but, but remember that, that you are an example to, to others around you. And I have been watching you, cousin, and I've noticed, mm. and we have a large family, right? I mean, yes. very large family. And not to say that you're the only one, but there's very few, I think. And I've had this conversation with my husband that we have very few role models in general. And so mm-hmm. when you have somebody, and especially in your family, that sets a really good example you, you notice that and you pay attention. So I was just thinking like, oh, you know what? You you would make a really good guess. I know you have a lot of life experience to share and you're doing a lot. Like you don't just talk the talk. You actually walk the walk. And so I've got a list of questions. I want to know all about <laughs> what you're doing because I've been seeing you out there doing so many things. But before we get into all of that, just background for the listeners. So Danny and I are second cousins. You and I are second cousins. Your mom... And my dad's mom were sisters. Yes. And how many sisters were there all together? Oh my God, you're putting me on the spot. There's uh, your <laughs> you gra- your grandmother. <laughs> well, let's start with Teddy and your mother, your grandmother, and then Aunt Frances, Aunt Chunky, Aunt Helen, and Honey. Six, I believe. I okay. believe six. So. You and my dad were first cousins. You and I are second cousins. Hey, we need yes. Paul here, right? I, I'm, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of the first generation right. of grandchildren. Yeah, yeah because that's you're how not that, that's that. how it works out. Where I'm kind of your guys' age. Yeah, I'm your guys' age, but I'm first cousins with all the other ones. So I'm the youngest uh, of the first generation grandchildren. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, he's not that much older than me. You, you know, you're mm-hmm. closer in age to me than my dad for sure. Yeah. Okay, so there were six sisters, large family. It was the Barba. Barba was the maiden name mm-hmm. of, of your mom. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, we need Cousin Paul here to, to trace us back. He'll, he'll yeah, lead us right say, back to I Jesus. I hope I get this right. I hope I get this right because Paul's <laughs> going to listen to this and correct me. <laughs> Where's Paul when you need him? All right, well, he'll correct yeah. us if we get anything wrong here. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so we had these family reunions over the years. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I I can remember as just, I don't know what age, but I was a young girl. Um, and every year was the most exciting thing for, for all of us kids. Yeah. Everybody, it was, a, it was a big event where all the branches of, of each sister uh, came mm-hmm. together and just had a good time. And, yeah. you know, I would always, I always remember you coming in with your kids. You came in deep, Danny. You were like, you had the five <laughs> kids, right? Yeah. And I remember your kids. One thing that stands out to this day about your kids is they all had those big, round, beautiful brown <laughs> eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they do. I see them today and I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I could, they still, you know, I still see them as kids, but they're not kids anymore. Yeah. Now my grandchildren have all the big brown eyes. Right. I've seen it. Yeah. Yes. I've seen that in them as well. Yeah. So you have five kids and now how many grandkids? 11. Wow. 11 and I still have kids that don't have kids yet. So still, still growing, still expanding. Yeah. And yeah. what are their ages? I'm, from? I'm blessed. Yes, you are. Uh, they go from high school all the way to, I think my youngest uh, grandsons are pretty close in age. Joshua has uh, Isaiah, who I believe is going to be two. And then um, Lovey, my youngest daughter, has Dominic, who I believe is going to be two as well. So they're pretty like about a month apart. So wow. it goes from high school all the way to um, infancy still. Your grandkids yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, my grandkids. Yeah. But your kids, how, what's the oldest and what's the oh, youngest? Oh, oh James, uh, James is 34. Joshua is 30, going to be 31, I believe. Wow. Um, Brianna is 28, going to be 29. Lovey is 27. And my youngest, my baby, uh, is Isaiah, and he is 22, going to be 23. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my kids are growing up. I didn't realize 34. Yeah, yeah, James. Wow. Yeah, James. That's He's amazing. 34. Yeah. So – uh, okay. This is like, I have, a. am telling you, I have a list of questions and so I'm going to go out of order here, but since we're talking about the kids, mm-hmm. something I saw that you did last year on Facebook really touched me. You, you made some posts and I don't want to say it was dedicated to your children's mom, but it was something yeah. honoring maybe like what would have been an anniversary or something. Yeah. Do yeah. You- it, it was our, it was our wedding anniversary. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we we really had a really tough marriage. You know, we got married young and had all these kids. And, and, uh, you know, my life wasn't what it is today. I was incarcerated a lot. I was away a lot. I was uh, struggling with a lot of uh, issues with drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, we did stay together for over 20 years. But at the end, we we went our separate ways. And, you know... um, I really honor her. You know, she's made some big changes in her life. Um, and it, and I think it comes from my growth, you know, me growing and, and knowing how precious my children and my grandchildren are. They're the most important thing to me besides my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter what happened in our relationship, if she wasn't there in my life, I wouldn't have what I have today. So I just wanted to honor her, even though it was our anniversary, we, we you know, been divorced, I believe, almost 11 years now. Um, she's still part of my life. I mean, we have so many kids and grandkids. Um, so there's a birthday almost every month. You know, there's a celebration oh all the time in my family. And, you know, she's there, I'm there. And we really, we, you know, we really get along. And uh, I, I think it should be that way. I mean, unfortunately, in our society, it doesn't work that way. But um, we've we've really worked, and not just me, her as well, to try to create a relationship um, that we could be around each other and also be around the kids and show the kids that, you know, it doesn't have to be that other way. That's so beautiful. I know. I was like, yeah. can't we work this out, guys? Can yeah. we get back together? <laughs> yeah. It was really, really yeah, And I get asked and- that a lot too. And I'm like, you know, you know, that, that is, that ship has sailed, but uh-huh. you know, I, I think, I think we're really great where we're at right now. Yeah. We're well, really good. We're, we're, we're in our relationship. Yeah, but you're right. It's good for everybody. It does it yeah. benefits you guys individually. Way but- too much energy to uh, you know keep holding on to things. You know, right? Way too much no. energy. Yeah, 
seasons change and people change and thank yep. God that you yep. both are where you are today and you can be here in yep. that way for your family. So, oh, that's amazing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought that was really touching and beautiful and, and rare. Yeah. It's, it's rare to, to see that, um, you know, respect and love. Well, I told you, I told you, you know, it, it is because of my growth and my growth is, is not solely me. It's because of my relationship with, uh, Jesus and, and, you know, everything he's done in my life. And, and he's brought me to this place where, uh, it's so much easier and it's so much better for me in life to just have a lot of peace and tranquility. And I, my oh, life was yeah. so down before and so full of chaos and pain and, and drama and all that stuff that it's at, at this point in my life, that's, that's not part of my life anymore. Yeah. Those types of, of inner gifts are priceless. Yeah the peace and the joy and uh, the hope that you can live with every day, even through the bad, you know, there's, you're at, you're at a different level of living. So one thing I did, you know, in the last 10 years, I would say of your mom's life, I Mm -hmm. would see her at Costco. um, Well, when she worked (laughs) there, I would see her and then I would see her at the reunions and that was it. And something happened where we had a conversation. I think it was actually at Costco but I just felt this sincerity from her. And I, I had a bond with your mom um, just from the type of person that she was. And mm-hmm. she was a Christian, right? Yeah, she was. Yes, yeah. she was. She loved Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't know about all of the other aunts, but I, mm-hmm. I from my knowledge, it was her and Aunt Helen that yeah. I, I knew were, you know, devout Christians yeah. or they were devoted to God. Yeah. They, but my mom has been... Uh, or was sold out for Jesus as, as far as I remember. And, and I can tell you it was around 1970-something. Uh, her She was working on a, uh, at Ann Darling Elementary School, and actually oh, I was I going to school that. there. And a lady by the name of Emma Prasarelli, my mom was broken. Uh, my dad had left her, and uh, my mom was so broken. And I know now, I didn't know at the time, that she said man, she was in the point of putting herself in a a, a some kind of, I guess psychiatric place because she just couldn't deal with my dad leaving. And uh, a lady came up to her on that, on that tot lot or whatever. And she shared Jesus with her. And uh, that was probably in 1974, somewhere around there, but it changed my mom's life uh, dramatically. And, and not only did it change my mom's life, it changed my life. You know, it changed my life because I, I, I had the most wonderful mother that anybody could ever have. And she constantly told me about Jesus and that I didn't have to live the way that I was living and that he had a plan for my life. And no matter what I did, she showed me the love of Jesus. And this is what brought me back. This was what brought me back from where I was in my life. It was listening to somebody with unconditional love, uh, no matter what I was doing in my life, no matter where I was telling me that God still had a plan for my life. And, you know, those words echoed in my ears sitting in prison cells or, you know, places, dark places in my life. Those words just continue to echo that this is not the way that I'm supposed to live my life, that God has something better for me. And, and you know, it, it, it came to pass. You know, I, I, I grabbed a hold of those words and I was in prison. I was in San Quentin prison and I, I grabbed a hold of those words and I, uh, decided I was going to allow God, not give God a chance, but allow God to do what he was going to do in my life. And and my life has never been the same. So that day on that Todd lot in Ann Darling in the 70s, uh, before I did anything crazy in my life, because my mom accepted Jesus into her life, it, it changed my life completely. Dramatic. I don't know where I would be today. And I know I wouldn't be here talking to you um, if she didn't continually demonstrate the love of God. Wow. That's my mom. And, and yeah. I love her. I love her. I love her. Yeah, I know. I miss my Aunt Maxine. Those seeds that you plant, yeah, right? Yeah, Even though yeah. you, you may not have nourished them for a time, mm-hmm. they were yeah. there. And eventually you come back around. I know there's scripture. I've, I don't know what it is, but there's, you know, you, you, you speak and teach your children the way and they will always return and they will always come back. Mm-hmm. So yep. your dad was in your life for just a short time? Uh, he was in and out of my life. He wasn't really consistent in our lives. Uh, he struggled with his own demons. He, you know, was an alcoholic and, um, you know, yeah, he just really struggled. Uh, and, and I didn't have a relationship growing up with him. I mean, I wanted one so bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had a wonderful mom, I, you know, but I wanted, I needed the relationship with a father. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get that growing up. And, and now I can, I can look back and see that as a young boy, very young, I was just full of anger and I didn't know why I was angry. Um, but early on, it, it turned into a lot of violence, me fighting all the time as a kid. And then and then I discovered drugs and alcohol. And, and I realized that if I could take this, and this was pretty young, maybe 11 or 12, wow. that if I took these, I didn't have to feel this pain. And I just still didn't know where this pain was coming from. But I know I needed, I, need, I didn't want to feel it anymore. So I discovered drugs real early, East San Jose, San Antonio, at grandma's house, at, at your great grandma's, my grandma's house, uh, which was a pretty rough area, and discovered drugs real early and, and just really discovered that I could medicate myself and I didn't have to feel pain. The problem was that is that you come down and you have to go back up again just to feel that numbness again and, and turned into addiction for me. Uh, which turned into, uh, you know, more violence and more incarceration and, and hurting people and stuff like that. So, and all I look back at, you know, it was about 34 years old when I stopped doing prison time. Um, I realized, you know, I must have went to a training or heard it somewhere uh, that I had this trauma from not having a father in my life, you know. Um, and from since that time, I've really worked on that, you know, uh, healing in that area because I realized that it was true. I was full of a lot of pain, uh, a lot of, I thought I hated the man. And, and to be honest with you, I never hated him. I was disappointed. Uh, sometimes hate and disappointment can almost feel the same, but I, I never hated him. Um, I was just very disappointed. Um, I, I went to Phoenix, Arizona when he was dying. I didn't want to go. My wife at the time said, you need to go. You know, you need to get closure in your life. And my sister, Monica, Danny, let's go see dad. And she called him dad. I never called him dad. So long story short, I went um, and she said, pray for him. When we got there, he was already on morphine and he was already um, getting ready to pass on. Um, and I was still full. I was already saved. I was already, <laughs> I was already pastoring in a church and I still had this uh, unforgiveness in my heart and it was trickling down to my family, to my relationships and every area of my life. So when I got there, my sister said, you better pray for him. And, and, uh, you know, long story short, I didn't have time to think about all the things that I felt that he did wrong to me. And I was able to pray for him and lead him to Jesus. And it took about 15 minutes after that and he left. Wow. Uh, so, so God is so faithful is that, that, you know, yeah, my dad didn't have anything to do with Jesus his whole life, but even on his deathbed, he was, God had, uh, allowed him to enter in and he used me to do that. And Something broke over me on the way home from Arizona with my sister. I heard a voice, which is the Holy Spirit, telling me, you can only give what you got. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he showed me a picture of my grandmother, uh, started showing me pictures of my grandmother. My dad didn't grow up with a father either. And he grew up with a mother who was uh, not very loving and, and not very touchy. She didn't touch you or hug you or do anything like that. And and uh, God started to show me, because I forgave him, I my eyes were taken off of my pain and I started to see his pain that he, he never had anything. I had Maxine. I had my mom. He didn't have any of that stuff. And on top of not having a father. So I was actually able to, because I forgave him. Right. And I was not able to see this ever before, but because I forgave him, I was able to see his pain and his hurt. And I just realized, man, he was just a broken man, you know, full of, full of pain. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but I healed through that. I, God took me to another state because he loves me so much for the last 30 minutes of somebody's life so that I could be healed, so mm. that I didn't have to feel like somebody abandoned me, so I didn't have to feel like I was a disappointment to somebody, so I didn't have to feel like somebody didn't want me because that wasn't the case. He just didn't have the ability to love me the way I wanted to be loved, and that was his life. The great thing is that he accepted Jesus and, and, you know, he's with Christ right now. He's in heaven, but it brought healing to my life and it changed my life. Oh, I'm again, I'm telling you, I was saved already. I was pastoring already, but I was still harboring all this stuff inside of me, this unforgiveness of somebody I thought that did me wrong or hurt me. I could forgive my ex-wife. I could forgive people that hurt me on the streets, but I couldn't, I couldn't let go of what he did to me Mm -hmm. until that day in Phoenix. I'm sorry if I went on a little bit. 
No, I want you to. I want you to tell everything uh, as much as we can anyway. Uh, it's amazing that you're saying this because I'm reading a book right now and you just yesterday read the pages that the author shares, writes a letter to a good friend who's going through the exact same thing as you just explained right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of hurt and resentment toward his father yeah. who was dying. And the author makes some suggestions about, you know, how to look at things from a different light. This We don't know our parents struggles we don't know their story and their experiences and we don't know everything and and the one thing that we are called to do as christians is to love and forgive and when you're able to surrender to those things and do those things you are so blessed for it yeah they're a blessing the things that we we kind of restrain ourselves from doing and the Bible tells us to to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. It says if you forgive those who trespass against you, then your Father in heaven can forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive them, then your Father in heaven can't forgive you. I blow it every day, Barbara. I blow it every day in one way or another. It might not be the way I blew it 20 years ago, but I still blow it, you know. And I need his mercy and I need his forgiveness every day. And I go to him every day and ask him to forgive me. I just, this morning, walk. I take walks every morning. It was like, God, I need you to, you know, forgive me. Your word, your word says that if I confess my sins, you're faithful. And it's not according to my my own righteousness or my own ability. It's because it's your word. It's your word, and you never change your mind about your word. So I can come to you and ask mm-hmm. you to forgive me for stuff. And if, if I don't do what he's asking me to do, then I, I don't have that right to even approach him and ask for forgiveness or ask him to help me in certain areas. You know, right. But it's a blessing. You know, my life is because I actually forgave the person. And you know what? This is more common than we think. People just don't like talking about it, right? It's easier just to uh, uh, suppress it and not talk about it. But when I see people now and I work with people, you know, every day, I, I, I always think about what happened now. Not like, oh, they're an idiot or this or that. I think about what happened, you know, You're right. what happened in their life that caused them to be this angry that caused them to be this promiscuous, that caused them to be this or that, what happened in their life because something happened. Yes. You know, and, and they might not even know it yet. It took me till I was 30 something years old uh, and through a really rough life to figure out, you know, what my issue was. I was never a bad person. I wasn't, I was not a bad person. I just made a lot of bad choices because I never really thought things out because I just, I, I just was a, uh, very angry, right? And I just did things. I just did things. And um, that's why I work in schools. I work with kids. This is what I do with my life, you know, because I yeah, see, I wanna, I see I myself in them. That. I see myself in them. But you know, Barbara, forgiveness, oh my God, it is, it is so powerful once we learn to live in this forgiveness. Yes. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I've learned it for myself firsthand with certain people in my life, but it just releases you and set, it truly sets you free. Yep. It's our own yep. pride that we hold on to these feelings. And uh, people say, sh- you don't know what they did to me. You know, and, and you're right. I, I don't know what they did to you, but this is really not about them. This is about you. This is about you. The Bible says to throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you. It's like us carrying luggage and baggage of all these people that have hurt us and not realizing that, you know, all this poison is coming out of us because of this, you know? I said, it's not about them, it's about you. You're you're punishing yourself. You're punishing yourself. Release them. I'm not saying you have to be friends with them no more. I'm not saying you have to be in a relationship with them. You don't have to be anybody's doormat. But I am saying you need to forgive them and move on with your life. And until you until you do that, you really can't move on with your life. And sometimes uh, I, I know with certain people, you know, you say I forgive them, and then when you see them again, you know, you still have feelings. Okay, it's like an onion. You just got to keep on peeling those layers. God, I forgive them. I forgive them for whatever they've done, Lord, and just continue to release them until one day it it, it doesn't it doesn't hold you captive anymore. Yeah, and even just being straight up with God too, like I don't feel. Yeah. Like forgiving yeah. them, I don't. I, I don't see I could ever forgive, but help me, just help me, show me yeah. how to do that. And yeah. if you stay at it, he will show you, and he will, he will allow you. you to get yeah. to that point to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So you were, so back to going back to when you were a little bit younger, getting in trouble, Mm -hmm. you were already trying drugs and and not sure why, but that's where you were going. At what point did, do you feel your mom became aware, became worried? What point did it get Mm. troublesome? Oh my God. You know, uh, you're, you're, um, your uncle Louie and them all, you talked about the family reunions. They used to really, and cousin Paul, uh, big Paul, uh, they used to really, I'm not saying they didn't like me, but they used to really be so angry with me because I put my mom through so much at such oh, a young age. She had all these other ones that were so good, you know, lawyers and firefighters and all this. And then, she, and then the last and one, standing. she had me. And then there's me, you know, uh, and I remember going to the reunions and stuff like that. And I could, you know, even, you know, you know, your uncle Louie being to his house and, you know, him drinking a little bit and, and, and telling me, hey, you know, and me being young and prideful and just talking back to him and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, I see I see him now and, and, you know, he's like, Danny, I'm so proud of you. I know he's not really, you know, spiritual or anything, but he says, I, I'm so proud of what, what's happened in your life. Um, and, and like you talked about earlier, and I'm jumping off, but you talked about earlier, I don't live my life so Louie or anybody can, uh, you know, see me, you know, but right. I, I live my life and I understand that people are watching our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in glass houses. People are watching. My family is watching and my family is bigger than just my children and grandchildren. My family mm-hmm. is you. My family is the Tapias. My family is all the Curiels. Everybody is my family. I might not talk to them every day. But, you know, I want them, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day and, and one of our cousins and saying, you know, I'm believing, I'm believing for our family. It is a big yes. family yeah. and I'm believing that one at a time, one after one in each part of our family, one in the Koreas, one in the Tapias, yeah. one over here, <laughs> one got, over there, the you know, <laughs> you, you talked about seeds and this is what seeds do. They produce a harvest. But it takes that one seed. The Bible says, you know, if you hold on to this life, you'll lose it. But if you lose this life for my sake, you'll find it. And that's where we're at. We need to lose our lives for our families because we do love them. I want to see my family. I want to see Louis. I want to see all these people, you know, experiencing, not being just being in church, not being religious, but be, experiencing what the freedom that I have, the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. It's so much more than church. Oh my God, I was stuck in church for so long, but it's so much more than church. It's it's the freedom that he gives you. Uh, so, yeah, um, I my mom has been, man, she was amazing. She would, um, you know, the drugs came probably about 11, but since I was about eight or nine years old, we lived in East San Jose. Uh, my mom was chasing me around. She was the mother that would, I'd be out in the streets about nine or 10 o'clock at night in the third and fourth grade. And, uh, she would be, I, I, I'd see her coming. I'd be talking to guys or girls or whatever I was, wherever I was at. I could see my mom's big old red Mercury, some big old <laughs> red car coming down the street looking for me and she'd find me. But yeah. so she had been with Monica in the car. She'd be chasing me around since I was so young. And uh, God, God bless her heart. You know, she never, mm-hmm. she never gave up on me, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. What, what are, I'm sorry, yeah, what were you saying about my mom? Yeah, I just wanted oh to know God. kind of like, yeah, what kind of troublemaker you were for your mom and your family. and Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. Or how and then she would started. tell my older brothers because she had to work. You know, we've always had a home. You know, my mom always worked, uh, you know, so unfortunately she was always not around. So I was cutting school at, you know, third grade. And uh, then I'd come home and, and my brothers or Bobby would be there and, and – and, she, I was supposed to, I guess I was supposed to listen to them until she got home from work or whatever, but I guess said, hey, mom said you can't, mom said you can't go outside. And my brother was a little bit bigger than the average guy. And I was a little tiny fast guy. And I just, and I swoop out the door and I'd be gone until I see my mom's car home, you know, and I wouldn't so listen to no any, uh-huh. yeah, I wouldn't listen to any of them at all, you know, Ronnie or Bobby wow. or any of them. And I wait for my mom to come home because of that unconditional love that she has. She'd be mad, so mad at me, but okay, well, what do you want to eat for dinner? And it would be over. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. All my life. All my life. And she told me, Barbara, she told me before I, I you know, uh, gave my life over to God and changed my life. She told me, she's a meal. I, 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 
you know, I can die peacefully when I know that you're alive. Yeah. You know, and that's all she wanted. Wow. You know, that's all she wanted for for kids, but especially for me, because I wasn't on the same road as my uh, siblings, is just to straighten out my life. And, you know, I'm so blessed that um, she was able to see me. Uh, my life changed. She was able to see me open up my, my business. She was able to see me become a pastor. She was able to see all those things that I'm sure she prayed for. I'm sure she was believing God for, but she she couldn't see that stuff. How do you see that in your children when they're sitting behind bars, addicted to drugs, and and, and they're continually doing this, living this life? Um, but she believed. She continued to believe that God had a plan for my life, and and she was able to see it. So God did answer her prayers. God answered her prayers um, with my life, you know. And so even to the last, uh, her last breath, we prayed, you know, and. She said, let God's will be done in my life. And, and he took her no longer than, you know, 15, 20 minutes. She lived an amazing life. She thinks, she thought she didn't live a fantastic life. And I always had to remind her, mom, mom, you, you lived an amazing life. You raised beautiful kids. And more than that, you introduced me to Jesus. And my life has never been the same again. So you, you, you've, lo- you've lived a wonderful life. And I'm sure she received comfort in that, you know. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. She, that lady, I put her through. I put her through the mill. Oh my oh. God! From a from a young age all the way into my thirties, she would pick me up. She would <laughs> she would pick me up. Guys shooting at me or whatever. Mom, come and get me. She'd come all the way on the other side of town and come get me, jumping fences or whatever, and pick me up and drive me out of there. Oh my God! She anything. Hi, she she was there. She was there. She never, never, never gave up on me. Yeah. Yeah. What more could you, what better life could you live, right? Than than just being a good mom like that and and introducing all of you and and showing you by her own life. Yeah. Example. Yeah. And my sister's, my sister has a relationship with Jesus. My brothers are still struggling, but you know, uh, they can't, it's in them. You know, Mm -hmm. they, I, I, I don't talk to them that often, but they have to be struggling because they know too much. You know, just like I knew too much. They knew too much, you know, yeah. that there's a, another way to live your life. Oh, yeah. And so no matter how successful they both are, you know, um, my mom instilled Jesus in us. You know, right. that's all she talked about. That's all she talked about. The ultimate gift. So yeah. I'm sure that you yeah. see, you know, when you look at your own kids, you're a father, you have these same desires for your children and yeah. your grandchildren and all future generations to just mm. yeah. teach them to know Jesus and show them what it looks like to live for him. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom didn't know a lot of scriptures, right? You know, she, I, you know, see her reading the Bible every morning, but she, she didn't know a lot of scriptures and it was the way she lived her life. Yeah. That's it, it was modeling. Jesus, Jesus didn't go around quoting all these things. He lived, he modeled what it looked like to be a son of God. Right. So we can go to the word of God and we can, we can look at Jesus life and say, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. You know, we're children of God. We're supposed to live our lives that way. So he modeled it. My mom modeled unconditional love. She didn't just say it, right? Oh, I love you. But, you know, don't call me from the penitentiary or don't, don't call me when you're, no, she, she, she modeled unconditional love. She modeled the love of God in my life. And, and I try to do that with my children, you know, um, they're not all, you know, I, I've, they grew up in church, you know, they grew up in church, uh, but they're doing their thing right now. You know, they're yeah. working on their testimony. Mm-hmm. But but they can't say they don't know. They do know. Right. And now it's my job just to uh, model my way of life. They come to me when they need when they need to hear from God or they need clarity and things. You know, they don't go to their friends. They, they come to dad, you know, when they want the truth. Because that's all I'm going to give them is the truth. You know, I love them. I spend time with all my grandkids as much as I can. Uh, They all play sports, you know, uh, and I try to spend so much time there. It's hard to do with a lot of grandkids, but um, I try to spend as much time with them, just loving them, just loving them. Because I knew I know that's what I needed in my life, just to be loved. Yeah, that's what we all need. We we crave this thing, you know, and and sometimes we don't get it. You know, we don't get it. And but I want my when I leave this world, I want my grandchildren to know that Papa loved us. Papa loved us. You know. And yeah. I, so yeah. Well, I see all those photos on Facebook. It yeah, looks like oh you're- my God. I, I, I tell people, 
my wallet or my bank account might not show it, but I'm the richest man in the world. I yeah. am the richest man in the world. Yeah. God has blessed me. And you know what? Uh, I didn't have this relationship with my kids all the time. You know, I was incarcerated. That's what I, I was, was wondering gone. when you were, you said you, you yeah. stopped. Yeah. Isaiah, is the, Isaiah is the only one who has never seen me, you know, live that life, drink, smoke, or, or do those kind of things. Isaiah is the only one and he's 22, going to be 23, I believe. Uh, but the other ones, especially my older ones, they had to go through all the pain. You know, they had to go through the cops breaking down our doors and, and mom and dad on drugs and, and mom and dad oh fighting gosh. and everything that went with it. They had to go visit me in the prisons and, and, and stuff like that and me being away from them all those years. So there was a lot of trauma that they experienced, um, my, my, James and Josh. Um, and, then, and then my life started to change while I was in there. Not completely, but it started to change. And I stopped committing crimes or doing those things. Um, and I was just trying to learn how to live out here again. I didn't know how to live. The parole said you can't go see your mom in Modesto. Well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to go see my mom. Well, when I, as soon as I got back, I'm violated and I'm gone again for another six months. And I was just trying to learn how to live out here. But in that time, I had Brianna, you know, um, and then Lovey two years later. So my relationship with them was a lot different because I was home a lot more and I was already going to church. Um, so I have a, uh, I had at the time a lot closer relationship. And believe me, when I, uh, Brianna in 1994, Jenny brought her into San Quentin prison and she was probably about six days old. And I seen her for the first time and it broke me. It broke me. You know, I didn't want this life anymore. Not the life that I was living. I wanted that. I wanted my kids. I wanted to be out there with her and hold her. And that changed me. And so my girls, I had a, a lot better relationship because I was changing. And then, and then Isaiah came in um, 1999, and by the time he had came, I was I was done. And me and him have the greatest relationship. My son plays college baseball right now. Um, he's a senior. He lives in Redding, California, and he's going on his way for his master's degree. And he's just a, a great kid, That's you know. Amazing. But but I'm sure he has pain and stuff, but um, not like the older ones. So like the older ones, Josh and James, uh, it's taken years. It's taken years to repair and to restore our relationship. And I, I will be honest with you, with Josh, um, who was probably most like me and who got involved in gangs and stuff like that when he was younger, it, it, it's only been the last maybe four years, five years. And I've been away from all that stuff for over 25 years. Wow. But he had such pain from me not being in his life and, and hurt. Um, and then the divorce and all that stuff. It's only been about four years, four or five years. But I can tell you right now, you know, I get texts from him all the time or I can call him or he calls me and says, Dad, I love you. And he would never say that to me before. Dad, I love you. I love you too, son. I was just there a couple of days ago. He owns a home in, in Riverbank, which is by Modesto. But it's, it's, it's a love, love thing now with us and James as well. But it's taken time. And I understand I had to give them their space. Uh, I did a lot of damage to my kids. I did a lot of damage when I was out there. And, and, you know, I just, I just wanted that to be restored. And God is able, was able to restore all of my relationships with all of my children. And, and I am so blessed for that. I, I, there, there's no dollar amount. There's nothing that you can give me that I would trade for what I have with my children and my grandchildren. I think that's something for a lot of parents who have grown and changed, um, from being younger or more naive parents mm -hmm. is that from a kid's perspective, there's a lot of trauma yes. and pain that happens and, and grows into feelings of resentment mm -hmm. or anger or hurt. And then it, and then that turns into something yep. unhealthy or painful for that, for their life. And mm -hmm. it just continues on. If yes, somebody doesn't change on, something, Barbara. if, if somebody doesn't change right. or break and, that, yeah, but you yeah, got to see a, it. You got to see it. Yeah. There's a few people right now in my family that I can think of right now where similar situations with the kids, adult mm -hmm. kids and mm -hmm. teenage kids who are harboring a lot. They're carrying a lot. Yeah. And I think there has to be a lot of empathy and understanding for what they're going through. Even if the parent has come out and said, I'm good now. I'm, I'm trying. I've done this. I've done that. And they still hate me. 
Well, that's okay. Like keep loving them, love them harder, love them longer and give them that space. Like you just said, give them that space. They need, they need you to continue persisting with your love. Consistency is the key word being consistent. And that might take years. That may take time. Right. Uh, But you have to stay consistent. You have to stay consistent in their lives. And and like you said, just making sure that they know you love them. You know, I'm I'm not going anywhere. I love you. You don't have to tell me anything back. You don't even have to respond. I just want you to know I love you. Sometimes I I get in the blue, like, you know, uh, out of nowhere. And I'll just like, I'm going to text my boys, the older ones, right? I'm going to text my boys and I'm going to tell them I love you. Yeah. You know, and I'll just text them. I, I love you both. And I'm so thankful that you've allowed me back into your lives. I think I just did that maybe a month ago, you know, and they'll text back. We love you, dad. But it took and that time. has to go so far it with them. Time. Yeah. I think, and I know that, though, if, if you know, I, I'm not trying to reminisce or anything, but if my dad would have done something like that, you know, just even that, I'm so thankful because it is their choice to let me back into their life. It's not my choice because I am dad. I'm their father. You know, I destroyed that. I wrecked that. I understand that. But my mom just continued to show me the love of God, unconditional love. And that's all I want to do is continue to let them know, I love you guys. I love you guys. You know, you guys are the most important thing to me. I know it didn't seem like it before, um, but I wasn't in my right mind. I was in a different place in my life. You know, I love you guys. So I'll text him here and there and let them know that. Isaiah, it's every day. My youngest son, it's every day. If I'm not texting him, he texts me every day. Love you, dad. Love you, dad. Love you, dad. You know? And I, I know that word, it's just, it might be just a word to people, but it's important. I tell my kids that all the time because I didn't get that from my dad. I'll tell them almost every day, all of my kids, I love you. Love you. Love you. I, this morning, um, you know, I, I talked to her for a second this morning. So I love you. I love you, dad. You know, and, and I know it goes a long way. You know, they know they're loved. They know they know that they have a place in my heart and they're important to me. Right. Yeah, I love to hear that. So you do a lot of work with youth. Are you still coaching football? I saw something last year also. Uh, I have a uh, I have a, a football. I'm partners with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and we do a program every summer. Um, it's a flag football league for inner city kids, kids that live in places where their parents can't afford for them to play sports and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I have a, a league that's in all of Santa Clara County. So I have teams from San Jose junior high school league and high school from San Jose and all the way to Gilroy. And it's a free league. Um, it's called EYFFL empowered youth flag football league. And the 49ers are partners with me and my kids get to go play on the stadium. I think, uh, coming up, the 49ers will be playing the Miami Dolphins and the two, uh, teams that won the league this year will be able to play in front of, I don't know, 65,000 people oh, at the 49ers stadium during halftime. Um, so that's a big thing. Yeah. I, and that's for huge. me, it's, I grew up with sports. My mom, you know, always had me in sports. I played sports in high school until I couldn't make the grades anymore and ended up just dropping out of school. Um, so they were very big and I know how important they are. Um, so, that's why I do this. It's not so much who wins or loses to me. It's, you know, um, building, continuing to build relationships with kids, continue to be able to speak into their lives. And sports gives you the opportunity to teach so, so many life skills to these kids, you know, that they don't have and they're not getting at home or wherever they're at. Oh, yeah. So it's just another intervention for me working with kids. That's amazing. And they're so expensive. So to offer yeah, it, yeah. these it's are all crazy. sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. opportunities right yeah, it's crazy yep and everything's everything get uniforms um everything everything is completely paid for is there wait list how how much no it's not a, it's it's age so so this last year was uh junior high school and high school and so they go from what 12 all the way up to 18 and hopefully this coming year i'll be going to because i'll be getting a lot of uh, people calling me to open it up to elementary schools. So, um, so you never have yeah. to put in, nobody ever has to go on a wait list. No, there's no wait list at all. No. Wow. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
Okay. And the people that work with me and the people that work with me that I bring on, which is Isaiah comes for the summer from his college and other people, uh, you know, they've all been trained in trauma, uh, trauma, uh, uh, informed care for kids. So, you know, even these little kids that come and maybe they act out, right. It's not like, Oh, go sit on the bench or anything like that. We know that there's something going on in their lives. And we, we either at that moment or when we, as soon as we have time, we go and spend time with them and try to figure out how we can empower them or how we can help them. So it's not just a regular league. It's once, like I told you, it's, it's, you know, uh, I don't want to say tricking kids, but I bring them to play something that they love playing, but I'm teaching them life skills. And at the same time, trying to help them and walk them through the pain that they have in their lives. Wow. Yeah. So kind of a double, double everything. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and the younger that we can do it, like I said, I work in schools um, and places like that. Uh, the younger that we can, when I was, when I first started working with kids, it was like, um, I just work with gang members, right? I just work with gang members. I just work with guys coming out of prison because that's all I could identify with. But the longer I've been doing this, uh, which is a lot of years, over 20-something years, you know, and had my agency probably for over nine or 10 years now. The more I've evolved, the more I've been able to dig deeper into my life and, and realize, oh, my God, the pain started a lot younger. You know, oh, gosh, man, when I was in elementary school, I was feeling this. So as I've evolved, the age group that I work with has even gotten younger. And my goal uh, this year has been this year um, is even to get into elementary schools. And I've never really done that, but I believe, I really believe the younger that we can uh, reach out to these kids and help them, um, the healthier they're going to be, the healthier our community is going to be, the healthier our families are going to be. Oh yeah. And, and sadly it is starting. I mean, it does start yeah. oh, a lot yeah. younger think than a lot of us these like kids to see, think. These kids see so much stuff at home in their neighborhoods. They see domestic violence. They see all this stuff, yeah. you know, on top of maybe not getting that kind of love that we're to be, we've been talking about, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of parents are broken. Yeah, you know a lot a lot of parents are broken. They don't know how to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So that that's that's uh, that's what I do. I'm in a high school right now in San Jose, and I uh, work with kids here. I work with kids all throughout Santa Clara County. Um, I have high schools. I think four high schools in San Jose, and then I go to. Morgan Hill and Gilroy, and I have schools over there, and then I have a high school in Hollister, and then I do late-night gyms for high-risk kids in Morgan Hill and Gilroy, which means that uh, the kids that are just running the streets at night, uh, I open up a facility for them in whatever city they're in. I feed them, make sure they have dinner because most of those kids don't got food at home, Uh, and then we have a talk. We just have a check-in, and we talk about things, how they're doing do that for a little while. And then the, the gym is open to them to play football or basketball or whatever they want to do. Um, oh so I do that gosh. in South County as well. How, how do you get the word out? Is it through the schools? Uh, well, yeah, through the schools or the cities, the cities promote them, you know, like in Gilroy, Morgan, like really, they do a really great job of, of uh, promoting what I do over there. And, do you and, feel like enough kids take advantage of these opportunities? Um, no. No, like I mean, I more. get a lot of kids, but there's just so many more. And, and, and to be honest with you, it, it can't be done by just one person. There's got to be other places that want to open up their place for, for kids and, you know, stuff like that. We've tried to get, um, you know, uh, schools to open up their cafeterias or their gyms. And, you know, I don't know if it's paperwork or whatever. They just they just have, they don't see that, that there's such a need. And so we have a really big struggle there. But I'm fortunate enough that in San Jose, you know, um, Morgan Hill and Gilroy, they, they've really bought into opening up. San Jose has a bunch of them. San Jose has about, uh, they have one on the west side. They have one on the south side. They have one on the east side. They have about four or five that they open up um, for kids to come in and just spend time there. And there's mentors there. There's role models there. There's people there that are, you know, just there just to listen to them, you know, Um so that they don't have to be out on the streets, you know. That's a gift. So, what is the name of that? Like, what what would what name would people look for or recognize to take advantage of some of these? Um, so, programs? if you were in San Jose, it would be uh, it w- it would be best B E S T, which is bringing everybody's strengths together. So, what happens is a bunch of nonprofits, which what I am a nonprofit five hundred one c three. 
you know, they, they, they come together and they kind of strategize with the city of San Jose. How can we, you know, minimize the gang problem or the crime problem? And a lot of these places decide, okay, well, let's open up late night gyms. So it's called BEST, and you can go to the city of San Jose and look for B-E-S-T, bringing everybody's strengths together, and you'll find their gyms. Um, in in uh, Morgan Hill and Gilroy, uh, there's a thing called South County Youth uh, uh, Task Force, and they really provide all the services for the uh, schools and the community in Morgan Hill and Gilroy. Um, and they're the ones that fund me to do what I do. Them, the DA's office, the probation office funds me to do what I do with kids. Well, we need and to get the word out. I was, a kid, I was a kid that was in probation all my life and then parole all my life. And now I, my best friends, you know, my partner in this agency that I have right now, um, she's a retired probation officer. Uh, but we, we, we have a really, she's probably my best friend, to be honest with you. Um, she's retired, but, you know, we, we, met at a, a training one of years back and I just seen that she loved kids and that's all I care about. You know, if you love kids, I'm willing to cross these so-called boundaries and work with you because I see that your, your love for them is genuine. And we've been together ever since. And she was, she's been my president of my agency already. Um, now she handles another thing, uh, as far as my agency, but yeah. Um, well, we'll yeah, make sure uh, to put all of this, all of these links and, and information yeah, in yeah, the show yeah. notes for people so they can access because we need it. That's a lot. That's amazing. All right. That's what I do. Good. Yeah. I wanted to know more about it because I do see you out there and, and you're always with working in the community and working with youth and, and those things are yeah. so important. They're so, so needed and so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Bible says in second Corinthians one, three, it says, uh, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our afflictions. So that in return, we can comfort those who are being afflicted with the same comfort we've been comforted with. So I didn't get healed and, and, and transformed or whatever by God just to sit and, and, and do nothing with it. It's Now it's my responsibility to give back to, uh, to the youth of our community what, what's been given to me. Freely you receive, so freely give. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing's ever in vain and it's always to be used in some yeah. way. And even for people who haven't had these levels of experience that you have or I have, mm -hmm. we can all give and give back and serve others. We all have there's no better we're feeling. all equipped. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, there's no better feeling. I mean, uh, I think I was just thinking this morning, oh, I got a call. I pick up uh, about, I don't know, 700 toys, 750 toys right around night, right around the 1st of December to give out to kids in the community. We also do that kind of stuff. Uh, and um, there's no greater feeling to give. You know, I, I when I find time, when I have time, I go and help the homeless. You know, I'll take them food or water or do whatever I can do. And uh, when the Bible says it is better to give than to receive, I, I know what that feels like. It is so good to be able to help people. There's not a better feeling. I don't, I get up and I tell people, I, I don't have a job. I, this is not a job to me. It's, it's what I was created to do in life. You know, I don't get up and go, oh my God, I got to go to work. <laughs> I don't, I get up and I get to, I get to be me. I get to do this with my life, you know? Oh my God, I, I love it. And I think that's and why I, there's probably such a strong desire when you know God, the more you know God, for everybody to know God, to walk, what it feels like, what it looks like to, to just give your life to him and let him lead the way and, and show you and, and fill you up mm -hmm. with all of this, this goodness and richness. Right. And he shows you what you were really supposed to be, how you were really, even for people like you talked about that maybe don't know them or know him, but their lives right now are in chaos or they're having, you know, a lot of problems, you know, it's because what I realized from my life, I'm like, oh my God, God had a plan for my life. He has a purpose for my life today. And there's an assignment. There's something that I need to fulfill while I'm here on earth that nobody else can do but me. Right. And he designed that before I was even in my mother's womb, the Bible says. So trying to live another life is like going against the grain. Of course, there's going to be all kinds of, you know, my life was chaos. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But now I realize, oh, my God, what, what, what would I expect? When he had this perfect plan for my life and I tried to live this other way, you know, um, of course it's going to be that way. If you feel that your life is, you know, hectic right now, your relationship is messed up, 
I'm telling you is because God has a plan and God has a way of doing things, but he wants us to call out to him and ask him, God, can you help me in this area? Even when you talked about forgiveness, yeah, you just talk to him. I don't know how to pray. Just talk to him. God, I don't know how to forgive this person. It hurts. It hurts, God. I don't know how to do this. You know, just talk to him. He's not looking for anything else but that. Just talk to him. He just wants to have a relationship with you. Yeah, that's and, it. As, and, as, and because of that relationship, he shows you um, a better life, the life that you were supposed to be living, the life that he created you to live. And I'm not saying I'm completely there, but I'm, I'm, I'm walking towards it every day. I'm walking towards this, this, this reason that he created me for every day of my life. And I told you, I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I do. You know, but I'm, I'm, I refuse to give up. I refuse to surrender. I don't want that old life back no more. There's nothing there yeah. that I want. There's nothing good there in that old life. I, I love this life, you know, and I just want more of it. And I know that he still has more for me. And I've been walking with him for years. So he ha if he has all that for me, then he, he has the same for you. The Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've blown it. It doesn't matter if you've walked with him and you've walked away from him. He's still just waiting. He, the Bible says that he, he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that would change his mind. He doesn't change his mind like we do. He says, this oh, is what so I created crazy. you for. And until the day you take your last breath, I'll still say this is what I created you for. Now it's up to us to come and say, God, I, I want to I wanna live this life you created me to live. But he'll never change his mind about you. And he'll never stop loving you. Never, 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 never. Yeah. That's the exciting part about being a Christian and, and a believer is like you're always striving. And you continue mm -hmm. to see your life evolve, you know, in his will. And it's, it just keeps getting better and better and you just grow in your confidence and your clarity, in your peace, and all of those things that only He can give you. And you know that it's going to be a lifelong. Even in, your, even in your bad moments, right? It's easy when my, my wallet is full of money. It's easy when my bank account's looking good and all of my relationships. But it's in the bad times that you really see how good this is. Because my lens has changed, right? Even when things don't go the way I want them to go. Right, that would have would have threw me threw me for a loop before when I was young. Yeah, it doesn't move me anymore. It's not the same right. anymore. Yeah. I know that God is in control. I know He's He's going to work it out. The Bible says He works all things out for the good of those who love Him and have been called by His name. You know, so even the bad things that take place, I can thank Him for today. God, thank you for even those things. I said, God, thank you for the doors that you're opening. I appreciate it. I love you. But I even thank you for the doors that you close yeah. in my life, the relationships that you separate me from in my life, because you know what's best for me. And I trust you in my life now. I yeah. trust you in my life. I might not understand everything that you're doing, but I trust you because I know that my welfare, my 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 uh, being is, is more important to you than anything. So you're not going to do me wrong. You're not going to do anything to uh, hurt me. Right. The Bible says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans right. to prosper you and not not to harm you. God's plan is never to harm us. Right. So, yeah, even in the bad times, even, you know, when things are not going right, I know that he's working. He's still working. And his goal for my life is for me to be mature, complete and lacking nothing. According to James chapter one, verse three, that's his goal. So even when we go through things, God's working, he's moving. He's trying to get us to a place where we become mature. We become complete, and then we're lacking nothing in our walk with him. Yeah. Yeah. So it changes yeah, everything. everything. It, it, it changes Jesus everything. changes everything, and, and everything yeah. is always for, for his good and our yeah. good when yes. we walk with him. And it rains on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. So, yeah, we're going to go through things. We're going to go through things just like anybody else, right? We yeah. just have, we just have uh, something that anybody can have. It's not like, oh, we're an exclusive club. Anybody right. can have God in their life. It's you know? free. Anybody can have. It's free. It's a free gift. Yeah. But, you know, he gives us peace through the storm. I heard uh, Bill Johnson say one time, when you give up the right to understand, God will give you the peace that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because we yeah. don't understand what he's doing and we, we get all uh, anxious for things. And he said, when you give up the right to feel that way, to be anxious about stuff, right, then I'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Yep. And then you can walk through any storm in your life. That's your trust and faith, just releasing yourself from mm -hmm. that. Yep. You, yep. you cannot. You're not. We're not equipped. Nope. We're not equipped to understand it all. Yep. You were absolutely right. Oh, well, y'all got a uh, sermon today out of this. Mm, <laughs> well, thank you, Danny. I, I just, I'm so grateful for you and for you coming on here and just sharing your story with us. And uh, we'll tag team. We'll, we'll cover our family okay. one by one. Yes. We're in agreement. We're yes. In agreement. Yes. All well, right. I'm proud of well, you, Barbara. I, I really, I'm really proud. And like I told you before, before we were online, is that uh, I might not always say stuff, but I pay attention. So my prayers. Yeah. Are definitely for you, for your family, you. and and for your program that it would continue to reach uh, people all over the place. Yeah, and God's hands on it. I, I give it to Him. I'm doing this because I felt led to do it by Him. So you know, He does what He wants with it, and I'm sure it's all good. All right, Danny. I'll put everything in the show notes for our listeners. That's where we chopped off. So this is bonus material. All right, you guys. Until next time, be a blessing and be blessed.